But we are going to continue our series this morning, The Purpose of Christmas, The Purpose of Christmas. And if you missed last week, I encourage you, um, pull that message up on Facebook. Eric shared on celebration and how our Christmas traditions that we have are should be rooted in honor, honoring God. I mean, that, that's how they originated, and we'd want to continue that. And he left us with a challenge to remember not only to honor God, um, but to reflect on, on you know, how those traditions came about as we celebrate Christmas this season, and also to, uh, to share the Christmas story. And so I think that was a, a wonderful challenge that he put out for us. And this morning we're going to be talking about the purpose of Christmas, a time of or for salvation, a time for salvation. And for those of you that, that weren't here for the intro or maybe weren't here last week either, um, we are uh, using the uh, book from Rick Warren, The Purpose of Christmas, as, as kind of the framework. Um, and so just wanted to, to share, I'll be speaking a, a little bit um, from that this morning and sharing his insight um, as I reference that, as we look for or look to a, a time of salvation. You know, the Christmas story is recorded for us in, in just two of the Gospels, Matthew and Luke, and just a, a couple of, of chapters in, in each of them. And, and, and you think, well, in that tiny little snapshot that we get of the Christmas story, you know, and, and consider how saturated it is with the message of salvation. It's just, it's just every single um, passage has some reference to salvation. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on, on each of the verses, but what I want to be able to do is to focus more on the why and the what now um, of the salvation message given to us in the Christmas story. But before we get into the word this morning, let's take a, a moment and, and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the snapshot. It's kind of like a little family album in words for us about the Christmas story, the arrival of Jesus Christ as a baby. And so, Lord, we just pray as we uh, ponder your word this morning, as we uh, take it in and unpack it um, specifically on the message of salvation, Lord, we just pray that you would speak to each of our hearts, Lord, and that you would illuminate your word through the power of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So again, virtually every passage in the Christmas story just rings out with salvation. And we're going to have the scriptures up on the screen like we do every Sunday um, as I give you examples of that as we go through, but I'm only going to paraphrase it, but I wanted to have the scriptures up on the screen for you. You can pick this out. Uh, I noticed one church actually has it where the scriptures are down here and the pastor can kind of point them out at the same time they're highlighted. Well, my arm's not quite that long, so I'm not going to try and pick those out for you, but I'll just kind of paraphrase as we go along. But in Luke chapter 1, verse 31 the angel told Mary her son was to be called Jesus. And, and Jesus, the, the, the name Jesus means the Lord saves. The Holy Spirit of God spoke through Zechariah in Luke chapter 1, verses 69 and 70. And this was after the birth of John that uh, 
Zechariah is sharing this, and he's prophetically stating that God has sent us a mighty Savior, in reference, of course, to Jesus, just as God had promised through the prophets. And so Zechariah is, is sharing that prophetically. And then in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, there were foreign leaders and, and astrologers, otherwise known as the wise men. And sometimes we don't include them because they really don't actually show up on the scene until two years later. But they set out at the same time. We know that because they saw the star over Bethlehem when Jesus was born. And so they followed that star in order to arrive there. So we know that they're involved. And, and they came and, and they were, of course, you know, looking for the king of the Jews. We know that because they had a conversation recorded for us with King Herod, the promised deliverer, the Messiah. They knew that, that he would arrive when that star shone in the sky. The angel made the birth announcement in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. And we talked about this two weeks ago. When the angel announced, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. The prophet Simeon confirmed it. When Joseph and Mary went to Jerusalem to present their purification offering and present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law had required back in that day, Simeon got a chance to, to hold that baby Jesus. And, and as he did so, he proclaimed to God, these words recorded for us in Luke chapter 2, verses 30 and 31. He said, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. So all these passages saturated with salvation, references to the one who would bring that to all the earth. So we might want to ask, what is salvation? What is exactly salvation? Now, I'm not going to unpack it to its fullness. We probably could have a whole series on the fullness of salvation. And it might seem to be a little bit of a, a, a jumbled up Christmas, you know, lights pile. Um, so just bear with me as we kind of work through that this morning. But the Bible tells us to some degree what the meaning of salvation is in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. When the angel told Joseph that he should name the baby that Mary was carrying, Jesus. For he would save his people from their sins. So we kind of see where the salvation is going. And since the Bible says that the wages or rewards, as some translations say, for sin is death, salvation is not only deliverance from sin, it's also deliverance from spiritual death, which then also means deliverance from eternity in hell. Salvation is also being given eternal life in heaven and having our relationship with God restored. Now that can kind of be hard for us to understand, to wrap our minds around in a time where sin is not you know, considered sin as long as we're doing what feels good for us or what we think is right for us, or what we think is going to make us happy, the world doesn't view that as sin. But of course, we're not looking at it from the world's perspective. Even when the world will say, well, sin really isn't that big of a deal. 
after all, you know, most of our sins aren't really the big sins. Well, the Bible doesn't say that the wages of big sins are death or is death. It says the wages of sin is death. The Bible also says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That all includes me, you, all of humanity that has lived, all of the human beings that will ever live. Because whether we like to admit it or not, being born into the human race means due to Adam and Eve's sin in the garden is that we all have a propensity or a natural inclination to sin. Now, before you start wondering, well, what in the world kind of message is this on Christmas? <laughs> because isn't Christmas supposed to be full of, you know, joy and peace and, you know, all of those wonderful merry things? And, well, hang on. Let me offer you the plan, okay? When Adam and Eve committed that very first sin in the garden, God supplied the covering of sin by sacrificing animals order to provide the, the clothing for them, sacrificed animals. Hebrews 9, or excuse me, and then later on, God gave the law to Moses, which also required the sacrifice of animals. And Hebrews 9.22 says, For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. But of course we know if we've studied the Old Testament and and the law of Moses that the blood and the bulls or the blood of bulls and goats was good but only a temporary institution lacking in perfection as witnessed by the necessity of course of the priest having to constantly repeat over and over the slaughter the sacrificial uh, killing of the animals and the shedding of their blood because the blood of the animal sacrifices really couldn't take away the sins. But God could still accept them. And he gave the people real forgiveness because Christ was going to die. And his death and the shedding of his blood would be sufficient for the sins of the whole world. You see, this plan that God had wasn't devised after Adam and Eve sinned. It wasn't devised after the law of Moses was given. This was not a plan B that God had to come up with. Scripture says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, it says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. And so before time even began, God had this plan. He knew that all of humanity in time would assert an attitude of, of that prideful self-will bringing about that disconnectedness from God. He is God after all. He knew this. He knew everything that would take place before he set time into motion. He had the plan already laid out before the world was even created by his hand. 
Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, But God showed his great love for us in response to our sin by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 says, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. See, Jesus, God's son, conceived by the Holy Spirit, was born free from the sinful nature, passed on to all other human beings by Adam. And so in that fullness of time, when God said, now's the time, this is what I've planned all along, Jesus offered himself as that perfect sinless sacrifice, doing away once for all with that need for that repeated animal sacrifice. Jesus paid every debt, covered every sin, once and for all on the cross. This was God's provision for his plan to deal with the propensity of humanity's sin. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Salvation is a free gift. At least free to us. We can't gain it by our works. We cannot buy it with our offerings. It's not a matter of being a good person, though we should be good people. It is a gift. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 say, God, loved, or God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Now, I know that it's hard for many to accept the fact that salvation is a gift. It's not something we earn. not something we work towards. So I'm going to share a little insight from Rick Warren, again from our companion book. He says, salvation is not a matter of trying, but trusting. It's not a matter of proving you deserve it, but accepting it by faith, knowing you don't deserve it. The true Christmas gift, you see, is not really Jesus himself. It's the gift of salvation that he provided for through his sinful or sinless life and sacrificial death. Our Christmas gift from God comes by grace through Jesus, which is received by faith. So let me describe the gift a little bit for us this morning. Turning one last time to our companion book, Rick Warren writes, God's Christmas gift to you has three qualities that make it unique. First, it is the most expensive gift you'll ever receive. It's priceless. Jesus paid for it with his life. Second, it's the only gift you'll ever receive that will last forever. And finally, it's an extremely practical gift, one that you'll use every day for the rest of your life. And I would add to that, this gift never wears out. It's something that everyone needs. We never outgrow it. 
It never needs batteries. There's no assembly required. And one size does fit all. The gift of God. Salvation through Christ Jesus. Salvation for all of humanity made possible as Jesus left his throne in heaven, humbled himself, and took on human flesh when he was born in a stable. One of the lowliest places he could have possibly have been born. You know, when I thought about the title for this chapter, A Time for Salvation, which I also used as the title for the message today, I couldn't help but think back to my own time of salvation. A time that was actually spring, spring of 2004. It wasn't a gradual kind of ease into this Christ-following business. Honestly, if I would have had 20 feet, I would have jumped in with 20 feet. That's just how it was for me. And I could walk you over to the, the children and the youth side of the building And I could show you the square in the vinyl flooring where I felt the drawing of the Holy Spirit. And and when I thought about that, I realized it was three weeks later, three weeks after Easter in 2004, on May 2nd, when I received the gift of salvation through Christ. A decisive moment in my life. It is interesting that I was physically born on Christmas. That's my birthday. Physically born on Christmas and spiritually reborn just after Easter. I don't know. But you can see that the two can't be separated. Jesus had to be born of human flesh. Thomas Aquinas writes this. He said, The Son assumed a nature in which he could suffer and die, which he could not do in his divine nature. This is why the Son of God was born as a human baby, so that he could save people from their sins. When I accepted what Jesus had done for me, I really didn't know all that that decision held. I I didn't. In fact, I still don't really understand the fullness of what salvation really means. God's continuing to transform me as he reveals more and more of himself to me. But I do know that after that day, that, that dis, dis definitive decision of receiving him as my Savior, I experienced a peace that would seem impossible. I have experienced joy immeasurable since that decision. I learned that God is faithful and he's trustworthy. I've seen miracles and received unbelievably wonderful blessings. I've grown in many ways I never thought possible. I'm actually shy by nature. I have a greater capacity for love and compassion for others because he has comforted me. God has given me strength far beyond my own to get through difficult seasons. And he's given me purpose and direction. Of course, I could go on and on. 
No, I did not know all that the decision would hold. But I do know that I have never regretted accepting Christ as my Savior and receiving the gift of salvation. So imagine with me for a moment. The two of us decide we're going to meet at a coffee shop and we set the day and the place and we meet up and I come in and you're already seated at, the, seated at the table, and so I bring a gift with me, and I put it on the table between us. And I say, I brought a gift for you. If you chose to leave the coffee shop that day without taking the gift with you, with not even opening it, would it really be yours? Would you really receive the benefit of that gift if you just left it on the table? when you left that day? Sadly, many will leave the gift that God offers on the table. They'll never receive it. They'll never experience a time for salvation personally. You see, even though God so loved the world that he gave his only son for the world's salvation, each of us must make a decision to receive it. It has to be a conscious decision, a decisive moment in our life, a time for salvation that is personal. So my question to you this morning is, have you made that conscious decision? Do you have a time for salvation that is personal to you, a definite moment when you declared a commitment for Christ, a turning from a life of doing it your way, a writing a line in the sand, if you would, between your old life and the new life with the determination to not turn back. Do you remember the moment you received this gift, the gift of salvation? Now, you might not know the exact date, but I believe that everyone who has made that decision should be able to recall that moment. To picture in their mind the when and the where that they were when they made that decision. That decision to make salvation personal. The exact moment life changed for all of eternity. For me, I see myself in the children's area, which used to be our sanctuary, raising my hand to receive Christ on that day on May 2nd. Maybe yours was in a church sanctuary too. Maybe you were just a kid, but you remembered that you prayed that prayer to receive Christ as your Savior. Others of you, maybe you picture yourself out in your deer stand where you had a quiet moment to reflect. But you know that's there where you and when you made that decision to receive that gift of salvation. Or maybe it was in a garden and you saw the beautiful flowers and you could smell the fragrance. In fact, when, when you're thinking about it now, you can, you can capture that again. And you saw the beauty of our creator and all that he has made. 
and you remembered hearing the message that tied in that that creator sent his son to die for you. And right then and there that day, you received Christ as your Savior. You whispered that declaration to your Lord. For some of you, it may have been when you realized that you had nowhere else to turn. And you remembered hearing about Jesus. And in recalling that message of salvation, you made that decision for Christ. A time of salvation became personal for you. You see, when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we know that we know that we've made that decision, it helps us to remember that we're His. That we are secure in the palm of His hand, that no matter what happens in our life, we are His child. No matter what the doctor report says, no matter what, we have a Savior who knows us, who loves us, that is with us, and that is for us. So this morning I encourage you, will you take just a moment and be honest with yourself? Do you have that defining moment? where you made a time for salvation to be personal and you received the gift of God, salvation through Christ. Maybe nobody ever shared with you how you can receive God's Christmas gift. Maybe you're where I was 14 and a half years ago and had never really heard. Well, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, 10, and 13, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. By believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by opening, openly declaring your faith that you are saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, I think everyone tries to find their salvation in other places for a season. It might be through our work. It might be through our good deeds. It might be through just uh, being a, a good person. It might be by attending church. It might be by serving in a church. But Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says, there is no salvation, or there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. No other name but Jesus. You can make that declaration today and receive God's gift to you through Jesus Christ. You might wonder, but how do I receive a gift? What do I say? I remember. It's been a long time. Our kids were in upper elementary, maybe early junior high. And they had a program at the school, and it was in the evening. And There was evangelist that had come, and quite frankly, back then, I probably didn't fully understand what the word evangelist meant. But they had come in with their unicycles, and they were riding them around the gym, and they were giving this little presentation. And they gave a little talk, and, and after that... Um, 
they gave kids the opportunity and adults too, but I'm chicken and there's no way I was going to try and ride a unicycle, but um, they, they gave people opportunity. But then they kind of visited with people around the, the gym and I remember them coming up to Pat and I and, and they kind of singled us out a little bit and, and the, the husband of the couple said, asked me the question, said, so if you were to die today or tonight, because it was at night, so would you go to heaven? And I, of course, said, yes, I would go to heaven. Oh, I'm a good person. Of course I'm going to go to heaven. And, and then he responded with this. He said, well, can you tell me why? And I thought for just a moment, and I thought, I can't say anything. If I, if I try to explain this, I'm going to cry. And I told him that. I said, if I try to tell you why I think I'm going to go to heaven, I'll cry. And I know the Holy Spirit was telling them they don't know Jesus yet. And it was right. I didn't know Jesus yet. And through that, they prayed for us and, and whatnot. And they kind of let the, the heaven thing go, and they didn't press the issue anymore. And then after they got done praying, they challenged us. They said, we encourage you to go home and pray. And I went home that night. And I remember standing next to my bed because I thought that's where you had to pray. You can pray there. That's good. But you can pray anywhere. Okay. But I remember standing there and thinking, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to pray. And so I don't want to leave anybody in that place today. We're going to help you out. As the church family, we're going to all pray a prayer together. And I'm just going to ask that as we pray this together, some of us have prayed this prayer before, and that's great. But as a church family, we just want to come around each other, and you don't have to get up or anything, but we want to say this prayer together for the, maybe those in the room that have never prayed a prayer like this. We don't want them to be left out or to feel awkward, and so we're all going to pray it together. And so I would ask that we'd all bow our heads and close our eyes. And I pray that you would be respectful when I ask you to close your eyes as we repeat this prayer together. Because if you're saying this prayer for the first time, and you mean it sincerely from your heart, I would ask that sometime during this prayer that you would raise your hand as an acknowledgement to God, as a time that is definitive for you that you made a decision for Christ, and just an acknowledgement of that. And so if you would, just close your eyes and repeat this prayer. Dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. So I could get to know you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being with me all my life. even when I didn't know it. I realize I need a Savior to set me free from sin. From myself and all the striving. All the doing it my way. I ask you to forgive me for my sin. I want to repent. 
and live the way that you created me to live. Be the Lord of my life and save me by your grace. Save me from my sins and save me for your purpose. I want to learn to love you, trust you, and become what you made me to be. Thank you for creating me and choosing me to be part of your family. Right now, by faith, I accept the Christmas gift of your salvation. Fill me with your peace and assurance that a time for salvation is personal for me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you repeated this as a sincere declaration to God, congratulations. You are a child of God. You have been welcomed into his family. This is your defining moment. December 16th, 2018. The day that you know you received Christ as your Savior. When someone does that, Scripture says there is joy going on in heaven. The angels are singing over you as you declared your commitment for Christ. I will encourage you, if that was you this morning, would you please let me know? Because as your pastor, not only do I want to celebrate with you, I also want to join in on this wonderful journey that you've just embarked on. So I encourage you to let me know that you've made that. I also want to encourage you that prayer is available. And if you've made that decision and you want to say, I want prayer to cover that, I encourage you to touch base with the prayer team today. But I also recognize maybe you came in with something on your heart as well. And you've made that decision for Christ and you've done that, but yet you need prayer for something this morning. Always want to make sure you know that that is available. Well, as I close this morning, I, I just want to once again say, you know, the purpose of Christmas is a time for salvation. The birth of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, because when the right time finally came, God sent his own son. And we want to make sure that this Christmas season, we take time to reflect on the Christmas gift that we have been given and to give God thanks for this absolutely indescribable gift that he has given us. And maybe just rejoice in that this Christmas season. So we just thank you and uh, let's pray um, to the Lord this morning. God, you are incredibly good. God, we just ask that uh, you would solidify in all of our hearts, Lord, that indescribable gift that you have given us, that you've offered. Lord, that we would know that we know we have made that declaration to you. There was a definite time in our life that we declared you as Lord over our lives, and Lord, that we can hang on to that because, Lord, it is assurance to us that we have eternal life, 
that you will be with us in this life as well. And that's why we can say salvation is for all of eternity, but it is also for today because you will help us to navigate this life. You will give us purpose, Lord, in this life. And you will never leave our side. No matter what we walk through, Lord, you will be with us and you are for us. And so, Lord, we rejoice that you give us, Lord, the gift of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. There is purpose in Christmas because of what Christ has done in offering salvation to us. And, Lord, we are thankful that you give us the ability to make that personal to us. Lord, may you be glorified this Christmas season as we reflect on what you have done. And we just thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.